Don't even talk to me until I've had my coffee. I'm Grace. <laughs> That's perfect. I understand that today. Yes. I know we're currently drinking coffee. <laughs> it's not the most exciting thing for you to hear, but we are. I'm like moving. I'm like excited. I'm doing like shoulder shimmies over here for coffee. I know. I think that's a mental illness. Did you say you're Bridget? Hmm. I think I'm Bridget. My bad. And this is the Gostier as it is every week. It's been a fun, fun, fun week. Oh, yeah. Well, you got a lot of work going on. Not really. I mean, <laughs> yes and no. What did I do? What am I doing? I'm doing my first live comedy performance since the pandemic tonight. Oh, that's right. You've been rehearsing and stuff. I know. So that's exciting. So our first segment is called You Have to Tell Me, as it is every week. And You Have to Tell Me is the segment where we each bring in our own gossip that we are wise about and explain it to the other person. So, Bridget, you have to tell me about how the trailer dropped for Tammy Faye's eyes. I've seen a lot about this, but I have no idea what it is. Really? I mean, I've seen people tweeting about it, and I assume... It refers to Tammy Faye Baker, Baker, who is a televangelist. Hell yeah. Okay, but that's all I know. I am so excited for this because I was raised on this shit. Not extensively. It's like my grandmother was an absolute freak for two things. CNN news cycle and crazy church stuff on TV. And so I grew up a little bit with Tammy Faye Baker. And it was one of those things, too, where my mom's like, please don't pay attention to that. We're Catholic. We don't need to mix with these televangelists. <laughs> like, please don't watch that. But my grandmother <laughs> was raised Baptist. Mm -hmm. She I think she converted eventually because everybody converts, you know, yeah, to whatever their husband does in Iowa. Sure. And <laughs> and so we watched this and then and so then I always thought, OK, this woman is kind of a freak. But then in the early aughts, she was on The Surreal Life. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And that was like a very validating thing for me who grew up thinking this woman, what she's saying on TV is obviously bullshit and it's crazy. People are sending up money. And then The Surreal Life was after the downfall of their family. Spoiler alert. Um, they get into some hot water about all that money they were taking as televangelists tend to do yeah. kind of their thing is to get in trouble. I mean, God bless them. And <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> and on surreal life, she, I don't think she goes into too deep about that or went too deep about that RIP, but she did talk a little bit about that. And she also, you really saw her talk about like being a gay icon i was gonna say what i know about tammy faye baker i know because a drag queen did her for snatch game on drag race and all stars too yeah so i didn't know she was like a gay icon i thought this drag queen was just trying to be funny so like then she started doing these sort of tours where she was going to like gay clubs and, and basically saying like god loves you to them and saying that she way to pivot she accepts them seriously and i think that gave her like a second wind and gave her, you know, some wealth back. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of like, I think in my mind, at least at that time in my life, I haven't gone too deep in it. Maybe the film will change my mind. But I felt like that sort of validated mm -hmm. her intercultural status. So the movie drops at the end of September. Is it a documentary or is it like a movie? Biopic? It's like a movie. So it's directed by Michael Showalter, who also oh. did Wet Hot American Summer. He's directed a lot of The Search Party. He's 
or and I think an executive producer of that. He also did The Big Sick and his, you know, starts mm-hmm. beginning was the state. So that's interesting. I'm very excited for this. A lot of good talent. We got Vincent D'Onofrio's in it. Cherry Jones is in it. Jessica Chastain is playing the queen herself. Tammy Faye. Oh, I love Jessica Chastain. I know she's kind of a weird actress to love, but I love her. Really? I think everyone. I, I don't know if anyone is really that passionate about Jessica Chastain. Yeah, that I was. Gonna but say I really that. like her. She all <laughs> she just seems to be like kind of, you know, there. But I really enjoy her and everything she's in. I. I feel like she's sort of a great actress that way where you're like, who is the actress that played that? Because mm-hmm. most of the roles she plays, you you're thinking more about the character than the actress playing the character. And I think because she is like a redhead of note who kind of came into notoriety after Amy Adams and kind of after Bryce Dallas Howard, it's kind of easy to put her on the back burner. But I think she's just as good as Amy Adams. And let's face it, her and Amy Adams are both better than Bryce Dallas Howard. No offense to Bryce Dallas Howard. And she is picking better roles than both mm-hmm. those women. Yes. Jessica Chastain got Tammy Faye and Amy Adams got Woman in the Window. And look how that worked. Oh, Not well. Yeah. Not well, for folks. Well, for Jessica. Go, Jessica. Okay, Grace, you have to tell me Drake Bell is gross. I am so glad you did this story because I saw it and I don't know why I did not go deeper on this so Glad you did. So Drake Bell, who many of our listeners will probably know from Drake and Josh, among other Nickelodeon things, the Amanda show. He I mean, he's kind of had a reputation in recent years for being kind of gross. Yeah, he is. That's how I know him. Yeah. was being gross, hanging out at the Hollywood Improv. And I was like, who is that guy? And they were like, didn't you watch Drake and Josh? And I was like, no, I'm too old. Like, tell me who the heck this guy is. Well, and what I knew him from was maybe one or two years ago, he posted a photo where he took a photo of his TV, but in the reflection, you could see his full penis. No, which is just funny. So that's kind of Drake Bell's thing. And it's interesting because on Drake and Josh, since you didn't watch Drake was like the hot one and Josh Peck was like the goofy one. And the pendulum has really swung the other way for both of them. (laughs) So good for Josh Peck. But Drake Bell got arrested this week for basically having inappropriate conversations with a minor. And it was all online and all in 2017. But he it just came to light this week, I guess. The funniest part of this story is Drake Bell's mugshot which does not look like a mugshot. It looks, looks like, like a headshot, right? It looks like someone took a picture of him. It looks like he was auditioning for a community theater production of Beauty and the Beast in the basement of a elementary school's multi-purpose room. And they took a picture of him to remember who he was. That's what his mugshot looks like. That was very well put. And we'll put it on Instagram and people need to tell us. And you'll get it. You need to then send the praise to Grace to say how accurate she is on this. Exactly. But so he basically like was conversing with a minor online and trying to meet up. And then I don't think he ever actually met up with the minor, but that's not like a praise to Drake Bell. I don't think it was because he didn't want to. I think it was logistics. So Drake Bell's kind of gross, which is not a huge surprise based on how his life has been going. He has been also trying to have a music career start up again, but he hasn't been doing well with it. He's been trying really in Mexico to get it going. I like how that's like a 
a fallback for a lot of these child stars. It's like I know. Well, I could try to release an album. Like, didn't Lindsay Lohan just release one? I think she just released a single two months ago. Yeah. Yeah, there's a darkness that follows these Nickelodeon stars that is different than the darkness that follows the Disney stars. If you think about, especially so pre-iCarly, because all the iCarly people seem to have turned out fine and victorious. And like most of those post-iCarly Nickelodeon people are kind of okay. The Amanda show and Drake and Josh is kind of a weird middle ground where it was still a little like iffy. And they have not many of them have successfully transitioned except Josh Peck. That's why you bring this up. Sex with Ghosts. We did an episode about adjacent to this. Uh, yes, about Dan Schneider. So that's something maybe some of you want to check out. But we kind of go into the alleged crimes of his because mm-hmm. everyone who's worked with him has signed a NDNA. 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 Uh, what am I trying to say? NDA. <laughs> They've signed an NDA. So there isn't a lot of hard stuff out there, but we definitely talk about what the the goss around him is. Yeah, there's definitely a um, cloud surrounding Dan Schneider that he's gross, but no one has like come out against him or anything. Well, I know someone who's worked with him and said it was one of the worst gigs they've ever had. Oh, wow. I mean, that makes sense. He seems like even even someone who is well adjusted, who has an empire of teen shows, that's got to be weird in your head. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like Nickelodeon, but there's some weirdness going on there. Yeah. Some real like a sociopathy to be on top of to be the like best children's TV show producer. But I do think that once, you know, I think Nickelodeon and Disney were doing two different things. And once Nickelodeon stopped trying so hard to be Disney, it got better. But I mean, I love Zoe 101. I love Victorious. I love it all. I was going to say, he just lost his job, though. He was. Oh, yes. Definitely there for too long. Yeah. Which, you know what? Fine. Take your money and go. Yeah. Okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about this missing child in Iowa, which sounds not the most exciting, no offense to the child, but Bridget, you've assured me that this is interesting. Okay, so as you know, you know, I guess I don't know if the listeners know, I am currently traveling. I'm seeing family for the first time in a year and a half. And so the first night I come home, I'm talking to my mom and she's like, oh, did you hear about or not? Yeah, she actually said, did you hear like yeah, I'm following like you. You're keeping up with Iowa local yeah. news. And she goes, did you hear about this kid that disappeared outside of Montezuma? And I was like, obviously not. And she's like, well, he disappeared. He was his mother has one leg. It's a detail I heard over and over again. <laughs> and it was very important. Everyone wanted you to know that. Yeah. Well, because there's reasons why. And he allegedly was the one who helped take care of his mother. And. It was like one day he just went missing. How old is he? 10 years old. And poor baby. Yeah, seriously. Seriously, the whole thing is so screwy. Mm-hmm. And so he goes missing. They do a search. They found a kid like outside of Utah, but it turns out it wasn't him. So I heard this story from my mom. Then the next day we go out to lunch together and I see a poster for a missing child. Not at all did I connect the dots. Of course. The child that that child. I was talking about. So I'm talking to 
or I'm actually just talking to my mom and my brother who's out to lunch with me. And I point to the poster and I'm like, oh, kids missing. And then the cashier at the lunch spot was like, the mother did it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? And she was like, yeah. And she's like kind of looking around and like, oh, here's the goss. So she's like the mom, her Facebook profile picture used to be of the child. And then when the child went missing, she just changed the profile picture to be her and her boyfriend or husband. That is kind of suspicious. And she's not posting anything on Facebook that's like, my child's missing, but it's actually the cousins that are leading the search for the kid. So they were leaving the lunch spot. My mom's like, that's the kid I was telling you about. Because <laughs> when my mom originally told me the story, she was like, how can the mother kill the kid if she only has one leg? Fair point. But you did mention she has a boyfriend or a husband. And then my brother tells me the reason people are saying she lost her leg to begin with was because she was shooting up meth and she shot up meth in her leg and they had to amputate her leg. Is meth something you shoot up? And that's what I said. And he said, I don't know. I guess you could shoot up anything if you try hard enough. I guess. Yeah, I guess maybe it's not customarily shot up. And that's why the leg had to come off. Right. So this is obviously a terrible story. I don't know if the mother really did it. I think it's a lot to sign a lot of blame when there's a lot of dysfunction. There's stories about how someone have claimed to offer the mother help after the son was trying to get her up a hill. And when the bystander was like, do you need help? The mom told this guy to like, fuck off. Okay. The thing is kids missing. We'll post the poster just because we should probably help where raise yeah. awareness if we're going to talk about it. But I just thought such a like small town gossip, murder mystery, mayor of East town moment that I've had here. It is a purely Midwestern phenomenon for everyone to get so involved in missing people. One time I was traveling through Galesburg, Illinois, shout out to Galesburg. And uh, we stopped at Steak and Shake for like dinner. And the waitress was talking to us. She's like, you guys hear about the kid that went missing? And we're like, no, uh, we don't. We're not from here. We're just traveling through. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah. So this girl was missing. It was really tragic, but they found her. And we're like, oh, my God, that's great news. And she's like, no, she's dead. Oh, and then we were like, OK, well, I'll have um, a double cheeseburger. <laughs> Midwestern people love to talk about a missing child. They love talking about anyone who dies, anyone who's missing, anyone who's cheating. It's just like nothing happens here. So when something does happen, everyone it is all of a sudden has an opinion, all of a sudden has a list of facts, all of a sudden has like a story where you're just like. Is that true? Even like shooting. It's like, how do you know who shoots up their leg with meth? Like, where did you find this information? Yeah. Like who's but everyone believes everything? Because what else are they going to do? Yeah. There's not a, lot, not a lot else going on here, folks. Grace, you have to tell me about Kim Kardashian posted a baby photo of Kanye West. Then he goes public dating Irina Shake. Yes. So. Kim Kardashian, I wonder if it's still up, actually. The other day, Kim Kardashian tweeted a baby photo of Kanye West out of nowhere, which I thought was hysterical for a number of reasons. And number one, it, you know what? It's actually weird, even if she's still married to the guy, to post a baby photo of him with no caption. Oh, yeah. Still up. 
And it's got a balloon emoji as the caption, which is mysterious. And of course, all the replies are like, all the replies are like, girl, you are down bad. It's like, girl, you're really posting your ex on Maine. And then there are some people who are like, you're posting your ex on Maine. Yeah. And then there are some people who are like, just because you're divorced doesn't mean you fall out of love. And it's like, okay. She posted a baby picture of this guy. So I thought that well, was and it's not even like a baby, baby picture. He looks like he can walk and talk, possibly read. Yeah. Well, you can also, he's old enough that you can tell as, you know, a look onlooker that it is Kanye West. It's not a photo that you're unsure if it's Kanye West. That's what's kind of interesting about it. And so I was like, okay, that's super weird because as you know, everyone knows they are getting a divorce. And then over the past week, and then it was just confirmed, but there's kind of been the speculation surrounding Kanye West that he's dating Irina Shayk. Do you know Irina Shayk? Do you know who Irina Shayk is? Yes, Bradley Cooper's ex. That's Bradley Cooper's ex-girlfriend. Slash mother of his child. Yeah, that was with him when the star born came out and everyone was like, girl, he's cheating on you with Lady Gaga. Yeah, everyone's like, girl, he's fucking Lady Gaga, which unconfirmed if he ever was. I find it I find it hard to believe that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga could have had sex with no one spilling the beans and no one finding out. And I also just think Bradley Cooper doesn't read that way to me. Neither does Lady Gaga, truly. Uh, yeah, I could see him wanting to sleep with her, but I could see her being like a consummate professional. Yes. But I do think that whether or not they ever slept together, that had to get to Arena Shake a little bit. Oh, yeah, because then that's when she broke up to him, broke up with him was like, even though it was right after that, but both parties finally like made their statements to the press. And then it was like a week later, she leaves him. And then everybody was like, see? <laughs> Yeah, well, because I imagine the teens who were deeply into a star is born were like, they're in love. Why don't you just leave him and let him be with the woman he loves? It's like, you guys, they are actors uh, or teenagers, but also, you know, it whatever. Celebrities shouldn't be taking what teenagers say seriously, but also how can they help it? So that's the arena shake drama. And so now she's dating Kanye West, which I cannot imagine seeing what Kanye West has been doing in the public eye in recent years and being like, oh, my God, when is that guy going to be on the market again? I said to my mom, I said, I don't even think I could be with that guy. Just even if even if everything he posted was just like a PR stunt. Yeah. It's just too unhinged for me. Yeah. And too like narcissistic. And I mean, obviously, Kim Kardashian has she has a higher tolerance for narcissism than maybe the average person. Yeah. Love you, Kim. But let's face it. That's just an accurate read on you. And even Kim was like, OK, this is too much. This is a little ridiculous. And I mean, not even to go into the politics and running for president. I guess Irina Sheikh just really wants to be the first lady. <laughs> Kanye 2024. That's her end game. Yeah. She's like, this is my quickest path to first lady. Okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about um, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk skipped on income taxes. What? What? So what a surprise. ProPublica published an article this past week, and it's basically releasing the secret IRS files. And they're explaining about how billionaires are not paying taxes. And Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk were two who skipped out in 2000. 18 Jeff Bezos actually 
also skipped out in 2007 and 2011. And it's not just them. It's most of the billionaires, mm-hmm. Michael Bloomberg, George Soros. But Carl, these are the names I, that were really um, that are in the national consciousness. At the moment. Yeah. So they're not paying taxes. What they actually do pay, I believe, is about 4%. And the average American who's at a $70,000 house income is paying closer to 17%. Families that are closer to the 600,000 bracket are paying about 34%. So like these tax breaks are literally for the wealthiest people on earth, which is absolutely batshit insane because if anyone has money to give back to the rest of the world, especially the amount of that they are exploiting their employees, it's like, these are the guys that need to pay, which is also super hilarious mm-hmm. because last night at the bar, I was talking to my sister's Republican husband about this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and this is how dumb Republicanism is, is that I'm explaining to him what should happen without saying like this is Democratic or Republican. I'm just mm-hmm. explaining the concept of why Taxing we should be taxing the wealthiest yes. people. And how that money should go back to the workers, how we shouldn't be doing a bailout, how when a when a billionaire does do this, they should lose their business Mm -hmm. so that when they lose their business, it shouldn't be that their business necessarily stops, but instead becomes something employee owned, like the local grocery store here called Hy-Vee. And he was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's crazy that they don't do that. And I'm like. You're literally voting against it, but you don't know it because you think you're voting for Jesus. I just I mean, and again, this news is like every time something like this comes out, it's like all of us know they're not paying income taxes. Mm -hmm. We can report it as much as we want, but it's like if they're not going to start paying income taxes, if we're not going to like enforce them to start, why do we have to have like a big expose every six months. I think that's the biggest thing is that about this article is we know they're not paying. Most reason we know that they're not paying. It's usually when they get in some sort of trouble. Then it's Mm -hmm. like, well, now we have to audit you and look at your tax records. Oh, you haven't been paying. But this article is like revealing multiple billionaires and also going into how they're able to not pay those taxes. And so- It's giving us more insight. And even though it probably seems somewhat oversaturated, being in Iowa, for instance, it's like this is this is great example to use when talking to these people, because a lot of these people think they're voting on culture. And that's Mm -hmm. the biggest problem and the biggest myth about politics. And a lot of these issues with single issue voters is that they're voting on culture. And what we really yeah. need to be voting on is policy and the true structure of how we're using money and how money is buying people the ability to say, fuck your culture. I'm going to do whatever I want anyways. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a nice thing to point to. It's I'm almost converting all of them to socialism slowly. I just like I have to be careful how I do it because, you know, if I use that word, I'll lose them. Yeah. You have to back them into it and then be like, ha ha, you're a socialist. Ha ha, you agree with me. <laughs> gotcha. Welcome, comrade. Yeah, they, they're like, oh, my God, you're so right. The workers should own the means of production. You say, ha ha ha, comrade. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? As I stroke my mustache. I know. 
suddenly they've got a communist flag on their wall and they're like, excuse me? You walked right into it, buddy. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. This is what you get. You've been indoctrinated. <laughs> Grace, you have to tell me about more Bachelor in Paradise hosts announced. So as we talked about last week, David Spade was the first, you know, confirmed Bachelor in Paradise host that was announced. They just announced a new group. And in that group, in addition to David Spade, we've got Titus Burgess. Lance Bass and Lil John. Lil John, like, yep, that Lil John. And you want it like, okay, yeah, Lil John, you want to know something? This will not be Lil John's first appearance on The Bachelor. Really? He was on Becca K's season, he hosted a date. So, a little bachelor history for you, Becca K got engaged to Uri, and then he dumped her and went with his runner-up. So Becca K became the Bachelorette the season after that, obviously, because she was scorned. And so, like, the second date of Becca's season was with the now infamous Blake. Everyone knows Blake. (laughs) And they went to, like, one of those things where it's a room where you, like, break a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. I want to go to one of those. I just saw that on my mom's soap opera yesterday, and I was like, we got to do that. I know. It sounds really fun. And so they were there breaking a bunch of TVs that were playing Becca and Ari's breakup. And while there, Lil John was like singing. <laughs> it's time to get crazy. Yes. Oh. Oh, my oh, oh my God. What is happening? Oh my God. Out of nowhere, Lil John all of a sudden pops up. And that was pretty awesome. Big Lil John fan, so that was pretty awesome. I'm a big Lil yeah. John fan. Okay, I was wondering what his type was. <laughs> So today, as you can see, we got a lot of stuff in here oh that is connected to bad memories. Oh, yeah. So all you're going to do today is purge those memories by destroying it all. Hell and once you destroy yeah. all this stuff, the memories are gone and you got a new start, baby. Are you guys ready? Hell yeah. Yes, let's do this. Oh, so they have stuff that's not Ari's, but like looks like Ari's stuff? Yeah, because Ari was a race car driver, so... And his number was 25, so they're breaking a race car. That's weird. Can you imagine going on a date and being like, so we're going to smash my ex's stuff? I know. It's funny because it's also obviously all remakes of the set where he broke up with her. The producers had fun. Oh, really? Yeah. God, that's so satisfying. Hit it with a sledgehammer. We're like all over the place right now. We're breaking all these crazy memories of my past with art. It just feels therapeutic. It's fun. We're giving it our all right now. I like that there was a warning. So they smashed a fish tank and there was a warning that it's not real fish in there. I know. Break those hearts like Ari broke yours. Oh my god, there's TVs with the engagement from with the proposal playing. She's smashing the shit out of it. Okay. So that's was previously on The Bachelor. That was good. I know it's actually a really great moment. Titus Burgess is also a super fan of The Bachelor. I don't know if Lance Bass is a fan, but let's face it. Lance Bass is taking a check everywhere he can get it these days. God bless him. So I think this bodes extremely well for Bachelor in Paradise. 
I think it's going to be really fun. I'm excited. I mean, I think I'm going to try watching it, like I said. So, oh, you're going to enjoy it. And I, I'll be able to tell you all the history about all the people who are on it. But also, they'll probably tell you a lot because the thing about Bachelor in Paradise these days, which actually Blake from that clip kind of started, is that a lot of the drama happens before they even get there on Instagram. Oh, OK. OK. Blake had hooked up with a couple different girls at Stagecoach and then he went to Paradise and they were all there. And he kind of had a, his comeuppance. Oh, for I being love a that. Fuck boy. I love that. The rumor is he's going to come to Paradise. And actually, the rumor is Becca K might be there, too. So those people from that date might both be there because he was her runner up. Oh, and she ended up picking a guy who ended up being a Trump supporter. Ooh. And so she ended up dumping him basically because of God that. Bless. She's good. That's good. I know we like her for that. But it took her like two and a half years to do it. So we don't like her for that. Gotta get that paycheck first. Yeah, exactly. You got to, I don't know if she stuck around long enough to keep the ring, but I think she might have. Long enough to at least get paid by the spawn. I know she got a lot of spawn for it. And now she's probably going to get other spawn because now she's like liberal queen. She dumped her boyfriend who was a Trump supporter. It's like, yeah, I mean, she waited two and a half years. And he also was really racist in that interim. But OK. Go off, Becca. She shows up to the first day of Bachelor in Paradise wearing like the all the women's I'm with her. names. Yeah, I'm with her. It, it's like, a, the T-shirt. This is like Kamala and Warren and Ruth. Yeah. Ruth RBG. Like and then she takes it off and she's got a bikini that has like RBG's face on her boobs. And then one like right on her crotch. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'm a feminist. Suck it. <laughs> I hope she does. I love Becca Gay, but she's a little goofy. The best part of the whole day was watching how happy she was and how excited she was and how good she felt. Okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about uh, Kinkit Pride since it is Pride Month. Okay, so it is Pride Month. And if you're not aware, you can listen to last week's episode. But um, so there's a huge debate. I guess it's annually debated which yeah it's not aware it just of. feels like it's really coming to a head more this year than it usually does or maybe it's just more public this year i also think there's a lot of disenfranchised people like what so one of the loudest loudmouths about this is a guy who's like a youtube personality named vosh and he claims to be a libertarian socialist which is just like another reason why maybe we should just drop the word socialist because now people are rebranding it and trying to say it means something mm -hmm. it doesn't. And he has a huge following. So his loud mouth started kind of started the whole thing again by posting that there shouldn't be kink at pride, that pride should be an all ages event so that everyone can enjoy pride. But it's like, that's the whole, that's totally negates the whole idea of pride. Like pride is about being accepted for whatever you want to do sexually mm -hmm. as long as it's in the bounds of being consensual. And part of that is kink. People make fun of kink, look down on kink. But in actuality, kind of everyone has some sort of kink in their sexual repertoire. Mm -hmm. So it should be a part of pride. Let the kink happen. Well, and also, you know, I think there's this now this breakup of like older and younger gay people and it's not to minimize either person's experience, but they each have fundamentally different experiences. And I think that kink is an essential part of what that older queer generation's experience was coming out and being activists. And because they have, because kink has been at Pride, Pride has been- From the beginning. Yeah, Pride has been able to kind of become 
less of a protest and more of a celebration, which is good. But we can't forget that the reason Pride exists is because it was a protest. It wasn't always like a fun little parade where we all dress up. Yes. We're lucky that it is. Now. And I think you can have a healthy discussion with a child about kink. Mm-hmm. If you're bringing a child to Pride, yeah. I think it can also say that is also another expression of sexuality. Well, and also, you know, not for nothing. It's not like straight. It's not like children aren't exposed to straight kink. I mean, let's mm-hmm. think about when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Were those billboards like yeah. somehow going to turn their child kinky? No. So there's this totally different standard that people hold gay people to, because the thing is, Pride is also not like an education event for young children. It never has been. And if you bring your young children there, you know what you're getting into. If you don't, it's like it's not really for kids to learn what gay people are. Yeah, but it is for kids. But if you want to bring a kid there, the useful thing is that kids can see gay people existing and it's not so like taboo. Yeah, I mean, okay. so then you take out the kink. There's still going to be a bunch of still going to be dudes kissing. So going to be ladies kissing. Dudes kissing. There's still going to be people wearing next to no clothes. There's still going to be condoms given Mm -hmm. out. There's still going to be sexualized drag queens like get out of here with this kink bullshit. It's just a way to aggravate people and make them lose their minds over nothing. And the thing is, kids like young kids, if they are at Pride, kids accept things much easier than we give them credit for. Because they're in a constant state of like learning the world they're in. So if they whatever they see at Pride, they'll be like, okay, interesting. That's just another part of the world. They're not going to read that deep into it. Yeah. And then by shaming kink, you're also or not having kink there. You're shaming kink. And then you're this is just I don't know. The whole thing just goes against the whole idea of Pride. Exactly. Fuck off. Fuck off. Well, Yeah. It's like you don't have to. I mean. If we're accepting that sexuality is this larger spectrum with a lot of different ways to express it, you can't shut one down and expect yours to be the only one validated at Pride. Yeah. If you don't want to come to Pride in leather, no one's making you. Yeah. And if you don't want to see it, you don't have to come. Yeah. Or like literally like turn your head to someone else. I'm still thinking about why are you taking your kids to, to Pride like in a if if a lot of it is related back to sex and sexual rights. And if your kid is you think not of an age to understand that concept at all, then why would you even take your kid to pride? Because mommy want to wear sequins. <laughs> mommy wants to hang out with Yeah, mommy wants to hang out with your gay friends. Like, look, if you <laughs> if you have gay friends, you shouldn't be afraid to introduce your kids to them. Like, whatever. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here with your bullshit, man. Grow up. It's just a way to piss us off. Grow up. Suck a dick, you know? That was good. <laughs> Grace, you have to tell me Survivor 41 logo has been released. OK, so they have wrapped production on Survivor season 41, which is the first season they've shot post COVID. And they just released the logo. And it's interesting for a number of reasons. But on the surface, it doesn't seem very interesting. So the logo, the logo is it's very plain. It just says It just says Outwit Out Play Out Last Survivor 41. Here's why this is interesting. So every season of Survivor since season two has had a theme and that theme has been expressed on the logo. Up until season 32, the theme was pretty much the location. Survivor Micronesia, Survivor Gabon, et cetera, et cetera. Except for season one. Season one was just called Survivor. 
And in retrospect, we now refer to it as Survivor Borneo. But at the time, it was just called Survivor. Oh, so every time since then, there's been a theme. And then up till season 32, the theme was the location they shot it because they were switching location. Starting in season 33, they kind of started filming in Fiji and they stayed in Fiji. It makes sense because they go to the same place every year. There's tax incentives. They work with the government. It's, you know, a sense of consistency. So the themes from season 33 forward have been a little bit more abstract. Millennials versus Gen X. David versus Goliath. Brains versus bronze versus beauty. It's all got kind of like a fun theme. And as the show has gone on and on, the themes have gotten more involved. The game has gotten more complex. There's been more advantages added. So in the beginning, it was really just you voted someone out every week. And there were like individual immunity challenges so you could be immune. But it was pretty low stakes. As the show has gone on, they've introduced things like hidden immunity idols. And immunity idols are for those of us who aren't really deep into Survivor. That's just like you don't get voted off that week if you get one. Yeah, you can save yourself from getting voted off. But of course, there's caveats with them. Like you have to play it before the votes are read. So there's a risk that you can play it and you might not even be getting voted out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hold on to it if you don't play it? You can hold on to it for as long as you want until like final six or something. Makes that like gives me constipation. Thinking. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, like being on there. And being like, Do I use it? Exactly. I would I would use it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they used to give out clues for the immunity idols. But then people started looking for them without clues. So they started just hiding them and you can find them whenever. And then they started hiding them at challenges. And now there's new advantages like a legacy advantage, which I don't even understand. And in Winners at War, which is the most recent season 40, they introduced this thing called fire tokens, which is like a a level of currency. And they introduced this thing called the edge of extinction, which is when you get eliminated, you go to an island and you might get a chance to get back in the game. It's all gotten very complex. And a lot of the criticisms. Sounds like it. I'm like, I'm like, what? Why? How do we even get here? I'm so like. (laughs) Exactly. It's so much. Yeah. That's just to give you the basics. If you're. If you want to watch Survivor, you'll get more involved. But basically, there have been more advantages added to the point that you can get voted out by default if everyone else has an advantage and your and luck isn't on your side. Yeah. Which is kind of the antithesis of the game of Survivor, because it's all about not getting voted for. And in season 34, a very popular player had no votes cast against her and got sent home anyway. Just because of the way the advantages shook out. Well, yeah, I think the first season, as I recall, watch. Mm -hmm. I didn't I don't know if I watched it in real time, but I definitely remember the conversation around it. After the first season, it became very clear that the strength of staying on the show was tied back to the type of relationships Mm -hmm. you were creating. And so then, yeah, you add all these sort of like fun, gamey elements then it becomes less about the relationships, which is what people really want to see, and more about like, oh, I found a way to stay in. Yeah, I have five fire tokens. Yeah, and then you're like, well, okay, but I want to see drama. Mm -hmm. The criticism of Survivor among former players and fans alike is the advantages are muddling the game. The themes are muddling the game. It's all making it more complicated than it needs to be. Season 39 was pretty egregious in that the twist was Island of the Idols, where basically people could go to an island and talk to kind of legends of Survivor 
But then we learned less about the cast because we spent all this time on people we already knew. And there was a big sexual harassment scandal in season 39, which didn't help the season, which was already getting a bad reputation. Oh, boy. I've written about all of this on my blog. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of exciting that for Survivor 41, it doesn't have a subtitle. It's just called Survivor 41. There's no theme. So we're all kind of expecting a back to basics approach. We know that this season is 26 days instead of the customary 39. Everyone assumes because of COVID quarantining. Jeff Probst has has said it's going to be dangerous. And CBS is committed to making 50% of the cast of Survivor diverse. The rumor mill says that this season of Survivor is the most diverse season ever. Even more diverse than the season when they literally split them up by race. So they had to have a certain amount of every race. So this season, I think, is going to be really, really good. I think we're entering a new Survivor Golden Age. Cool. You'll have to keep us posted if the logo upholds all the expectations that seem to be circulating. Yeah, that I seem to be projecting onto it. Survivor fans are great at projecting onto everything. Let me tell you. Oh, no, never. (laughs) I've never heard that from, heard a Survivor fan talk and thought, yeah, this is normal yeah, conversation. You, every time you talk to a Survivor fan, you're like, oh, yeah, they're not crazy. Survivor fans <laughs> are a different breed. I'm on your side, everyone, but I know what we I know what we are. <laughs> I know what we are. I have self-awareness. <laughs> OK, so now it is time for our next segment, which is called Biden Bites. In Biden Bites this week, big, big, big surprise. The Republicans don't want to work with Joe Biden. I know. I feel like it's political drama, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if we just keep this theater going that no one wants to work together, then we don't have to pass any real laws. Mm-hmm. It could be anything, but it, it doesn't even matter. The real juice of what we need to happen will never happen because it's always going to be the stalling of, I don't want to work with you. The Democrats don't really have to work with Republicans. I mean, they shouldn't. They're the majority. Yeah, exactly. We have every power we need. I know we have like a 50 50 Senate, so that complicates some things. I would say they need to show up because we recently just saw Kristen Gillibrand was missing for the Paycheck Fairness Act after she made a point that she's some kind of fucking feminist and outed Al Franken. I mean, not that she outed him, but she was like, he needs to get the fuck out of here. And then she doesn't show up to a bill that would try to cover the gap between gender wages like it's all I mean oh my god all politicians are performing you know uh, they're all like performing good work but they're not doing good work they're all like doing exactly what they think they need to do to project the fact that they are making a difference and they are not yeah they're like uh getting this coke money over here so yeah and that's ko C-H. Yeah, not (laughs) C-O-K-E. But it's like it's coming out now and the White House is like, oh, Joe Biden is so disappointed that Mitch McConnell won't work with him. And it's like, what made you think he would? Yeah, he didn't work with you when you were vice president. Yeah, they are just biding their time until they can hopefully get more people. And then guess what? They're going to pass as much as they fucking want and block everything you want to do. So you know what? While we have the majority, you might as well start passing stuff. But I mean, as we've talked about before, obviously what it comes down to is it's not about the majority. It never was. He doesn't want to pass progressive legislation. If he wanted to, he would. 
You know, that's what you would. You can sign executive. Yeah, orders. That's what all your girlfriends say when the boy you like doesn't text you. If he wanted to, he would. That's what I'm saying to you about Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, my God. That was good. That was really if he point. wanted like to, that. he would. Ladies, ladies, Joe Biden is I don't give a shit about your uterus. Yeah, Joe Biden is the boy who says he'll call and has no intention of it. Mama, stop expecting anything from him. You, I know. I know you want to legalize marijuana, but he's not going to do it, girl. Yeah. Move on. He's like, no, no, of course I want to legalize marijuana. Are you kidding, girl? That sounds great. If it matters to you, it matters to me, girl. He's lying. He's lying to you. I know you want him to pay that school debt. He said, yeah, I'll be your sugar daddy. Girl, he ain't your sugar daddy. He's not going to do it. Don't you, you see how the clock is ticking to September when federal student loans are unpaused? He is just sitting in his little white house playing with his dog. And he's like, oh, my God, I hope no one bothers me. But not me. major. Yeah, but not major because major's can... a socialist. It might bite him. Yeah, it might bite him. So surprise, surprise, Joe Biden is still doing nothing. <laughs> Except for swatting at cicadas. Yeah, so this is our other Biden bite of the week. Bridget, tell us about how cicadas attacked Biden. So it's not even an interesting story, so I'm not even going to go into it. I'm just more upset that the press... Every single media outlet published some sort of article that was like cicadas on Joe Biden. Okay, not to like harp on the cicadas. I feel like every single year the article comes out like, oh, cicadas are waking up after 17 years. I'm like, I know it hasn't been 17 years since the last time the cicadas came out. Yeah. Yeah. Is it 17 years like? Per like different locations. Of the I know. United is it like States? per region? I think it must be per region because I saw something on TikTok the other day that was like here in wherever. We're not kidding about the cicadas because growing up in Palm Springs, there were cicadas everywhere all the time. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's just like some bullshit thing that they like to talk about instead of talking about how Biden is really going to Mexico to fuck some shit up. And we don't even know exactly how bad or What's going to be said? Because right now we're just being fed a bunch of like glossy bullshit. He's also going to go meet the queen. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, what's him and Boris Johnson going to talk about? Probably how they hate poor people and hate black people. Because it's like the it's like the closest to cosplay that we have of Trump. That's what I think. Did you? I think that's the fascination. Did you see that tweet that said we should let Donald Trump back on here for just one day? (laughs) No, just to see what he would tweet about. I saw Facebook was like, look, we're not going to let him back for at least two years. Yeah, they're going to let him back just in time to run in 2024. Fantastic. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And it just go, exactly Facebook. what we need. Um, but yeah, the cicadas attacked Biden. Go Queens. We love you. Uh, but media, we don't love you because can you talk about something else, please? Like stuff about how he's really not doing anything. Exactly. And doesn't give a shit about working with Republicans. Stop making it sound like it's just the Republicans. Exactly. Okay, and that is that week, and that is this week's Biden Bites. So for our main topic this week, it's inspired by our good buddy, Chris Harrison, and our even better buddy, Cancel Culture. Hell yeah. As you probably know, if you're listening to this podcast, because we've talked about The Bachelor multiple times, Chris Harrison is officially gone from The Bachelor. He just got officially let go, fired, released, whatever you want to call it this week. And I can admit when I was wrong, I really didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> I really thought he would be back. Everyone has a price tag. I know. Well, I kind of thought here's what was kind of weird about it. I 
kind of thought no way he was going to be on Katie's season because it was shooting too soon after all the drama. And then I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, maybe Bachelor in Paradise, depending on how things go. And then they announced Bachelor in Paradise hosts. And I was like, okay. And then I kind of thought Michelle would not let him on her season, which is going to follow Bachelor in Paradise. But I thought by the time we would have another Bachelor, Chris Harrison would have let the dust settle and been back. But he got a $50 million settlement to basically keep his mouth shut, which there's a lot to unpack there. Well, first of all, there's the questions came about the legality of just letting him go in the middle of his contract, which is probably where a lot of that settlement comes from. But there's like talks along the rumor mill that Chris Harrison knows something about Mike Fleiss and Mike Fleiss said, let's pay him off so he doesn't talk about it. Mike Fleiss, for those who don't know, is the creator of the Bachelor franchise. He is on Twitter. He's actively anti-Trump, actively, you know, pro Biden, I guess. I don't know if he's pro anyone. Definitely on Twitter, anti-Trump doesn't mean anything about how he voted. Chris Harrison has, we all know, donated to Donald Trump. Oh, I didn't know that was revealed. Jesus. Oh, that's oh, yeah, that's something that Chris Harrison has done. And, you know, Chris Harrison plays golf like so we know that Chris Harrison is probably a Republican. He plays golf. You know what that means? Yeah, probably a Republican. And I mean, we don't know how Republican he is if he's like one of those guys who's like socially liberal and fiscally conservative. But he don't to Donald Trump so we can make our own leaps there. He's probably socially conservative and fiscally conservative. But who am I? And Mike Fleiss, again, is performatively liberal. We don't know how liberal he actually is. I guess we can say he's performatively Democrat more than we can say he's performatively liberal. We'll branch this conversation out, like Grace said, to being more about cancer culture in general. So if you're someone listening who's not a big Bachelor fan, you're thinking about turning it Hang off. tight. Hang tight. We'll get there. So this Mike Fleiss aspect, this is from the Bachelor Nation gossip mill? Mm-hmm, basically. Okay. And also, I did say this, right? Yes. I don't know if I said that yet. I said he's looking for a settlement. You said it even in last week's episode, which aged really perfectly. (laughs) It did, right? In last week's episode, you're like, he's just waiting to see how much money he can get. And then he'll step down. Oh, yeah. I mean, $50 million is a pretty hefty settlement. So, I mean, so the gossip is like, what does he know about Mike Fleiss? But also, I think a big chunk of that settlement is the fact that they had to basically buy him out of a contract. And he, I think he also had a producer. Credit. He did. I mean, it doesn't mean he actually had anything to really do with production, as we know here living next to Hollywood. But it does mean you, you do sort of have to buy him out when you say it's time for you to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And the quick the quick cliff notes for those of you who maybe haven't kept up with this story before of why Chris Harrison is fired is that he went on extra to defend Rachel Kirkconnell, who was the winner of the previous Bachelor season, who went to an antebellum ball in 2018 when they were illegal, by the way. And he basically said, you know, there's a witch hunt for this poor young girl. She went to a party. What's so bad? And in the process, he was also pretty rude to the woman who he was being interviewed by, Rachel Lindsay, who was the first black bachelorette. And once that all happened, a lot of people in Bachelor Nation basically said, I wouldn't go to paradise if Chris Harrison was there. It's been rumored that Katie, the current bachelorette, said, I'm not going to be the bachelorette if Chris Harrison is there. I don't know how true that is. I believe that Katie maybe made that stipulation, but I don't think she was the deciding factor because I do think that if Katie actually made that stipulation 
and that was the decision maker, they would say, then you're not the bachelorette. Yeah, she doesn't have any power. Yeah, I think it's a good look for Katie to go out and say that. But I don't think she actually made the decision. But and I'm sure we'll talk about Katie's season eventually on this season. Katie is a great bachelorette because she is media trained for the gods. She is talking to the media correctly. But so Chris Harrison is sort of, quote unquote, canceled. A lot of Bachelor Nation is, you know, there's a big chunk of Bachelor Nation that is Christian middle America. And there's also a big chunk of Bachelor Nation that is on the coasts and in the cities and liberal. And I think Bachelor Nation, I think the Bachelor franchise has been trying to figure out for the past year exactly which audience they're going to cater to moving forward. Because there was a big string in the past few years that was all Christian leads. And Mm -hmm. it was very Christian heavy. And it seems as though they're kind of pivoting away from that and kind of pivoting towards their more liberal audiences. And I think this firing of Chris Harrison is kind of confirmation of that because there's a big chunk of Bachelor Nation that says, like, we're not going to watch without Chris Harrison. And them firing him is them saying basically, like, you'll probably watch anyway. And if you don't, we don't really care. Well, what's funny is when I thought they were picking the Christian leads, I thought it was even like something kind of satirical, like Mm. like we're going to pick a Christian lead. But obviously, if this show is about hooking up, it's about. You know, dating is kind of humiliating yeah. and there's a lot of things you see that become sort of hypocritical mm-hmm. when you're dating someone because there's the point of view of how we like to project ourselves and then there's the point of view of who we actually are. And so I thought, oh, picking these Christian leads, we're going to obviously see them do humiliating things. <laughs> and so that was my read. But now with all this recent stuff coming out, it's very clear and obvious, like, No, they just thought these are our viewers. And so we're going to pander. So I think it seems like them firing Chris Harrison, casting Katie as the lead. They are actively pivoting to a liberal audience more than a Christian audience, which is kind of their first move to it, because they've kind of been trying to do this middle ground thing by casting the first black bachelor in Matt James, who led a prayer on night one. So, yeah, that's weird. It kind of seems like they are finally pushing the pendulum to swing a certain way rather than just kind of letting it swing. So we're seeing an evolution. We're seeing more people kind of caving in to this idea of accepting cancel culture, accepting more of a progressive way of thinking. I recently found Cat Williams so this is where we're pivoting away from the I know. So now, in case anyone's like, what the so now fuck? We're, so what this really is about is about cancel culture and its effects or lack thereof. And I kind of want to start with this Cat Williams sound clip because I thought, one, it's very articulate. Two, Cat Williams is has been a comic for a long time. I'm sure there's definitely material of his that has not aged well at all. Mm-hmm. And so it was very intriguing to hear him say something so eloquent. If you ask all of the people that didn't make it to the NBA, if you ask them if we just lowered the goal down another foot, they all tell you they'd make it. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes the out of bounds, but the out of bounds got to be there or you'll run up in the stands, right? Mm. So some of these things are for the benefit of everything. Nobody likes the speed limit, but it's necessary. Nobody likes the shoulder of the road, but it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. My, my point is, um, 
weren't all that extremely funny back when they could say whatever they wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, there's no cancel culture. Cancellation doesn't have its own culture. That was people of color. That was us policing our own culture. That was people without a voice being trashed by people just because they had a bigger name than them and more money than them and a better office than them. They could sweep them up under the rug like they didn't matter. I don't know what people we think got canceled that we wish we had back. I don't even know who the, who are they. Mm. It, it's done for the reasons it's done for, and it helped who it helped. Um, if all that's going to happen is we have to be more sensitive in the way that we talk, isn't that what we want anyway? I'm saying your job as a comedian is to please the most amount of people with your art. So if you want to offend somebody, nobody took those words away from you. Mm -hmm. Dirty bitch ain't been taken away. You can say that, but <laughs> don't call somebody this word when you know this affects all of these people. Don't use the R word when you really mean people on the spectrum. Don't, mm -hmm. don't say yeah. this word instead of saying autistic. Don't say this word instead of saying little people. Look, if these are the confines that keep you from doing the craft God put you to, then That's it probably ain't for you. You're telling That's me. All. I think he brings up a good point where it's like, you know, you're pleasing the most people that you can and there's just things don't age, you know, well. I mean, it's one of those things. One of my comedy teachers always said, and I think this is true, that no one will care if it's actually funny. You know, people are accepting mm -hmm. of things that they think are funny. And if it's not funny, then you'll you just you have every right to make every joke you want, but unfortunately not everyone's going to like every joke you want. If it offends someone, they're allowed to say whatever they want about it. And I think what stuck out to me about what he said is that he said, has anyone been canceled who we actually want back? And the answer to yeah. me is no, because I think, and we've talked about this before, part of being in the public eye is understanding that the public opinion matters to your career. And you can be upset about that and you can kind of reject that. But the fact is that's part of being in the public eye is being aware of the public perception of you. And yeah. not everyone needs to be in the public eye. If you can't be in the public eye and accept the limitations that come with it, maybe you shouldn't be in the public eye. And that's okay. Yeah. No one has to be like, you don't have to be a famous stand-up comedian to go do stand-up comedy. But if you want to be a famous stand-up comedian, you have to be aware of more audiences than just the people who agree with you. These sort of rules have always existed, right? Like when Joan Rivers was doing comedy, she was pregnant and she had bits about being pregnant and it limited some of her, her opportunities because she was making pregnancy jokes. Mm -hmm. And it was like a woman should joke about a woman shouldn't be doing comedy pregnant and shouldn't be making jokes about it. And that was the rules of the 1960s. Mm -hmm. But we've, we have certainly evolved beyond that. Like now there's a whole documentary where you can watch uh, Amy Schumer pregnant and throwing up on herself. We have accepted things that are more human. And I feel like we're rejecting things that are more socially discriminating concepts. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of all suck. We should be punching up, not down. 
And these comedians are like upset because someone doesn't want to pay them to do dick jokes. It's just a matter of just grow the fuck up. Like if you're so funny, you should be able to write in the context of what is acceptable. Mm -hmm. And if you want to keep telling your dick jokes, great. Do it on your podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about comedy is it is about the audience. You're doing your jokes. You're doing what you write. And that's great. But the thing is, is that it's always about what the audience thinks, because if an audience doesn't think you're funny, then you're not doing comedy anymore. You're doing a monologue, you know, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you're doing a dramatic piece. Basically just masturbating on stage. Yeah. And it's like the whole point of comedy is to make the audience laugh. And if you can't figure out how to do that without being a dick, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, I don't get the whole victim thing. And I guess also the problem is, is that there are some groups of people like, let's say white men, for example, who aren't used to having their language and their actions you know, judged in this way. Whereas women from a young age are taught that like you're being perceived and it's going to be commented on and you learn how to react to that. White men aren't used to being judged. And our language is like you're either a prude or you're a Mm -hmm. slut. And neither of those are fun to be. And so this is the thing that bugs me about cancel culture is the people who complain about cancel culture are usually white men. And Candace Owens. Yeah, and Candace Owens. being paid by white men. And you're not being canceled you're being criticized and unfortunately when you're criticized sometimes things get taken away from you it's like a child and and all anyone is looking for is some sort of sign of redemption or change or like show us you're actually trying to be a person and that's the thing about cancel culture too is it's not like all these people are like totally canceled immediately many people come back and figure out how to evolve And if you don't, it's because you actively decided not to. Like, let's talk about Kevin Spacey, for example. Oh, my God. He just got creepier after he got canceled. That's the problem is like he got criticized for basically being a predator. And rather than apologize and try to do anything, he said, well, I was gay and closeted. So feel bad for me, please. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that he hasn't been working again because no one wants to associate themselves with someone who cannot admit wrongdoing. Well, then it came out. He was friends with Epstein. Yeah. And it came out or then he started making these creepy cryptic videos that were like House of Cards esque, basically in the vein of like some QAnon bullshit. So he just got like weirder and weirder. And that stuff was always under the surface. Being a famous actor is a really sweet gig. So guess what? To keep that mm-hmm. gig, you have to have a certain level of professionalism. And this is the other thing, because Chris Harrison came out against cancel culture when he got canceled. Again, people are still writing about you, so you haven't really been canceled. Yeah. But it's the same thing as anyone who has a job. If I was at work and I started talking about how I don't see why antebellum balls are wrong and Black people should get over it, I could be reprimanded for that at work. That's this like anyone could. So when you're like a famous TV host, yeah, you get reprimanded for stuff like that. Anyone would. You're just doing it on a public stage. Yeah, we're all your HR. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. The audience is the HR of celebrities. And so if you're pissed off at an audience for not laughing or saying what you're saying is problematic, they're kind of right. Yeah. 
the kind of ones that sort of decide. Unfortunately, the audience is always right because that's who it's all for. I mean, they wouldn't make The Bachelor if no one was watching it. People wouldn't do stand up comedy if people didn't go to see it without an audience. You don't have anything. And what's even funny, too, is that a lot of the people who are bitching the loudest about this weren't even around when when you could do something very highly controversial and inappropriate and they would give you a gig next week and not think twice Mm -hmm. about it. And so like they act like something's been taken away from them. And it's like, buddy, you were never you, you haven't even broke yet. Like you, you're not even high profile. This doesn't even really affect you. Like, it's like I'm going to be rich one day. I'm going to be famous one day. It's like, okay. Well, it's like the Shane Gillies thing. And for those who may or may not remember, Shane Gillies was hired by SNL. He was a conservative comedian. And then he oh, got quickly yeah, yeah. fired before he even did a show. Shane, had you been on SNL, you would have been in like one sketch all season long. You weren't like yeah. about to do your conservative stand-up comedy on national TV. They weren't going to let you. You would have played Vanessa Bayer's boyfriend for three sketches, and then you may or may not have been able to stick around. Like, it's not like... Yeah. It's not like you were getting this insane platform to talk about how everyone's too triggered. It's like, I don't know. I mean, again, you have... Everyone has every power to say whatever they want, but you do not have the... But you have to be criticized for it. That's what happens when you say things. People react to what you say. I'm not even familiar with all of the the feature players now on. Neither am SNL. I. But I'm willing to bet that there are a handful of conservative guys yeah. there because there's plenty of white men involved with the production of that show. And you would never know it because their whole idea of materials, one, let's appease middle America and make it as like baseless as possible. Mm-hmm. And two, when they do highly politicized stuff, it's not... It's not about policy. It's about how dumb someone's. Yeah, it doesn't publicly speak. SNL's political sketches don't really take a side. I mean, obviously, there's like this stereotype that SNL is really liberal. But when they do a political sketch, they don't really make a comment. They just kind of like it's like a spark notes version of a presidential debate is what they do. Yeah. And like maybe they'll throw in a little goofy character work. But it's usually not like Donald Trump is evil. It's like Donald Trump is stupid. And then Joe Biden is also stupid. Big dumb yeah, it's like yeah. it doesn't really take a side. Yeah, because, again, there probably are conservative people and liberal people. They don't want to alienate anyone. And by doing so, yes. they alienate everyone because everyone's like, oh, my God, they're not picking my side. So they must be picking the other side. They're not picking any side. Yeah, they're playing Switzerland, yeah. babe. And if you thought they had a side, I'm sorry. Exactly. That they they are playing Switzerland. They are booking Elon Musk and they are booking Lil Nas X. They do it all, baby. Yeah, they do it all. They want to keep every audience. And you know what? We all fall for it every week. Well, I don't, but some people do. I watch some of them, though. You know, I watch some clips here and there. Hey, let me tell you, there's some SNL sketches that are great, but it's not the it's never the political cold opens. Have you yeah. ever rewatched a cold open? No, I'll, but I'll tell you what I do. rewatch no, the open. sketch of Melissa McCarthy turning around all the letters on Wheel of Fortune. That's funny. <laughs> or her chewing gum is uh, Sean. What was his name? Sean Spicer. Oh, yeah. Melissa McCarthy's great. But that wasn't again. It wasn't even a political statement. It was just like this guy loves. Gum. Yeah, exactly. It was like, isn't this guy funny? So I have this list. So this list is celebrities who were canceled in 2020. Yes. yes. And canceled. I put in air quotes because we'll see. We'll see who was canceled. And today we are going to play judge, jury and executioner because it's really about us, isn't it? 
Yeah, we could talk about too whether whether or not we think these people are actually yeah whether they've canceled. actually been canceled and whether they deserved it. Oh yeah. Okay. Number one, Ellen DeGeneres. She's definitely been canceled. Yes, but also, and this is the other gently. This is the other gently. thing about cancel culture, though. She's been canceled after having a successful talk show for years and years and years. She's richer beyond belief. Boo fucking who you can't work anymore. Reti- it's retiring. She got forcibly retired. And she produces another show. Yeah, I mean, she's that I'm sure she'll still be able to do. Yeah, she's stepping out of the spotlight, but she's certainly not going to like lose her livelihood based on this. Yeah, she'll still be able to keep the villa that she has in Montecito. Exactly. She's fine. And you know what? This is almost it's the same as Chris Harrison, where you weren't going to be doing this job forever anyway. So being forced out of it after 20 years is like, okay, like, fine. You were going to quit eventually. And there's still people who like love Ellen. I don't really know who, but my mom still watches. her. I mean, look, Ellen has spent her whole life cultivating a brand and 10 years. If she had retired 10 years ago, we would have never known about workplace abuse that she did. And I do think this is probably not the place I probably shouldn't do this. But in defense of Ellen, (laughs) she did come up in a time when one, you couldn't be gay. Two, you couldn't be a woman with a totally. talk show. And three, you you had toxic behavior was normalized. Mm-hmm. So while it's really super terrible, she wasn't the one who it's already part of the system. Yeah. And I, I mean, she probably had to be super, super tough to keep herself afloat. So that's the yeah. thing. I mean, that that level I do have sympathy for. But then, unfortunately, she turned it on her workers and perpetuated it. Which is the problem because, you know, and it is tough because, you know, that she was just doing what she felt she had to do to make it in an industry that did not want her to make it. And honestly, she's not the first late night host to be an asshole to her. Oh, yeah. It's just the first one where it's been really revealed. And most of the other guys that were just as bad, if not worse, They've all died or retired. Yeah, they all bowed out before they were able to be held accountable because at this point, no one's going to go like this is the thing. If Ellen was 10 years retired by now, her old employees probably wouldn't say anything. I mean, if you think about it, Johnny Carson was a scam. Oh, sure. Like he worked through the workers strikes and still kept making material and making late night shows. He did not put his show on pause while all of his writers room was out there with signs. Mm-hmm. If you think he wrote that show entirely by himself, I'd say, fuck yeah, off that's because... that. You're just stupid at that point. <laughs> but I mean, he had the good sense to die. Is he dead? God bless him. He's good. Dead. I just wanted to say he had the good sense. To die. I'm glad he's actually dead. These people have been able to get away with it and they're not anymore, which is great. So there's these people in this weird middle ground. Scott Rudin is another example that he, it's just luck of the draw and timing. I mean, the thing is, is like, it kind of sucks, yeah, that you're the one being held accountable for things that a bunch of other people did. But unfortunately, you're still doing them too, babe. Yeah. Yeah. They, and you saw, I mean, we all saw it coming. Yeah. So it wasn't like she had time to make things better before it turned into an internal investigation. Yeah. She had a reputation. Yeah. She could have heard the reputation and been like, oh, you know what I should start doing? Paying my workers more so they don't turn on me. <laughs> nope, she didn't. She said, mm, that's not something I really feel like doing, but thanks. I'm the be kind lady. She's like, mm, uh, why don't we all be kind and not report me for workplace abuse? <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you so much for being kind to me. Namaste. Namaste. And now, oh, JK Rowling. Yes. So this one is 
wild. The thing about J.K. Rowling that blows my mind is that mm-hmm. she wrote like maybe the successful, the most successful book series of all time. Those books will sell forever yes. and they'll continue to sell. So is she really canceled? I don't know. All she had to do was shut up. This is what boggles the mind. I'm sure many people are anti-trans who are still in the public eye and I don't agree with them. Mm. However, they all have the good sense to say, you know what? I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm going to keep that to myself. But J.K. Rowling could not help herself. Here's the other problem with J.K. Rowling that people actually don't talk about, Mm. which is, yeah, we saw the comments. And making those comments is one thing. Yeah. She's actually funding healthcare that is anti-trans. And that's something that people are really not talking the most Mm -hmm. about is like. It's one thing to tweet something. It's one thing to tweet something. It's one thing to write an op-ed. But this woman admitted to, through her philanthropy, sends money to support certain healthcare ideas. So she is literally using her money in a in a sort of philanthropy way to not support that is basically anti-trans. Mm-hmm. And what's even wilder about that, if you think about it from Another layer is that because she's doing this philanthropy, the way most of these financial end of the governments are set up, I'm sure it's not much different in the UK than it is in the US. And I'm sure she does have to file some US taxes because she does have, I'm sure, some sort of money involved in the Harry Potter amusement parks and any sort of franchise that's made here related to that. And that is she gets a tax cut. She gets a tax cut because all this anti-trans healthcare that she's funding, she could say, well, see, that's my philanthropy. So I don't have to pay as much in taxes. So there's like so many layers of seethingly bad things going on. When at that point, it's almost like she's making these tweets just to distract from all the other stuff she's doing because she knows they will take the biggest hit of ire from her fans. And so she can just do whatever she wants with her money. When it was all happening live I was reading what she was publishing because I was just I'm not a Harry Potter fan but I was in disbelief that so many of her supporters are very open-minded pretty progressive people like that's a huge part of her fan base because right she's already alienated a lot of these conservative Christians because her books are literally about witchcraft and so reading her statements I was like I have to know what she's saying because she's She's alienating probably her greatest fans and followers. And in one of the rebuttals, she says, oh, I'm doing philanthropy. And that's why I know so much about this, because I have to research this for my philanthropy. So she's already even admitting that in her rebuttal. And instead of people even taking the time to read the stuff she's publishing, they're just like, oh, she said anti-trans things. She's bad. And it's like, babe, it's farther than that. She is financially oppressing people like she she's going a step further than just saying bad naughty stuff that she could probably be redeemed for she just Mm -hmm. said an apology she's usually she's using money part of her billions of dollars to oppress which people come on supporting because and look i'm not a harry potter fan and if you are you're a nerd just kidding i mean whatever (laughs) like what you like but but you kind of know but you i mean if you can tell me what house you're in, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. Um, but the thing is, is that J.K. Rowling knows that she has these people who are diehard fans and there are people who still 
are like, well, you know, I can separate J.K. Rowling from Harry Potter and whatever. Do what you do to make you feel good. But it's like she's actively I mean, you think about she said like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore's gay. She's using her audiences who are liberal and have seen and have gotten a lot of hope from her books in order to, like, keep making money, even though she's like, no, of course, Dumbledore's not gay. Yeah, I just oh, I can't. And they're still making the the second franchise. Oh, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, whatever. That doesn't even make any sense to me. And don't explain it to me. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> don't do not put it in this submission form. I don't care what it's about. But yeah, they're still making the second franchise. She's still making a ton of money and people support it because they're like, well, it's a really big part of my childhood. OK, you're an adult now. So she <laughs> she's not truly canceled. I think she definitely yeah. is doesn't have the same idolization coming in. But she's not canceled. until. Yeah, until the movie studios are like, we're not going to make this these films. Well, and I mean, networks play the films like in marathons. The films are everywhere. I mean, these films are still making money every day. And people are still going to Harry Potter world. Yeah. And they're all buying their little wands. Sorry, I don't yeah, mean to like I'm... be so mean to Harry Potter fans. But I mean, you are what you are, you know, nerds. Oh, boy. Maybe we should go to the next one before one. Of I know us. before I do too much Harry Potter before fans. Like, yeah, I'm going to get canceled for hating Harry Potter fans. <laughs> what house are you? Do you know? No, I do. <laughs> Neither do I. I. My college used to do a Quidditch game every year, and I would always play with yeah. Gryffindor because I look the best in red. I used to try to guess based on other people who'd be like, well, I'm in this house and I'm in this house. And I I used to know which one was like the Harry Potter one is Gryffindor. Yeah. Uh, the mean one is Slytherin. Yeah, I was like, some starts with an S. And I used to know, like, okay, don't say either of those. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You can tell a lot about what someone thinks of themselves based on what friend they align with and what Harry Potter house they are. People who think they're the main character are Gryffindor. Say they're Gryffindor. People who mm. think they're quirky oh. say they're Slytherin because they're like, oh, I'm the main character, but I'm like kind of sarcastic whatever i'm kind of people who think they're like smart and bookish say they're ravenclaw and people who think they're fun say they're hufflepuff it's like if you're fun you're not in any harry potter house by the way hufflepuffs yeah if you're really fun you can tell a lot about what someone thinks of themselves and if someone thinks they're a mix of the two they can't decide what they want you to think about them Uh, okay we already went too deep i know so anyway moving on anyway Anna Wintour. Anna Wintour. She has not been canceled. She has not. I mean, so Anna Wintour, for those of you who don't know, got called out for basically not elevating black content creators and black employees. I mean, surprise, surprise. Vogue is racist. But Anna Wintour has not been canceled. She still has her job. Yeah, she's still out here eating plain chicken. She's still throwing the Met Gala. She's still got her little bob. She's not been canceled. Okay. Hilaria Baldwin. She has not. Been She's not been canceled. I mean, she was. She might have lost some gigs, but she was made fun of for a while. Canceled. But most of Hilaria's audience is not like people who care that she pretended to be Spanish. They're like, whatever. Yeah, but I think she did. She lost some gigs. Like people mm-hmm. were like sponsorships. Sponsorships. Yeah, I think she had stuff lined up that people were just like, you know what? Maybe not. Not right now, anyways. Yeah. Take a pause, Queen. You're not. Yeah. And then she came out with that other kid with the surrogate mother. And then that opened up a whole new conversation. And then it was kind of like for a minute, people forgot she wasn't Spanish, even though she was saying she was Spanish Mm -hmm. because they wanted to talk about surrogacy. Yeah. I mean, also, she 
she's married to Alec Baldwin. So like, isn't that like an automatic cancellation when you associate yourself with Alec Baldwin? Yeah. And he's still getting gigs. Yeah. So you're with the ultimate canceled, not canceled. Yeah. The ultimate cancel culture cockroach. He just keeps surviving. Yeah. They're like a power cockroach. Yeah. Alec Baldwin gets canceled once a week. And at that point, when you get canceled enough and you just keep going, everyone's like, whatever. I don't care what you do. He's part of the institution. Exactly. So good call marrying Alec, Hilaria. Yeah, you'll have longevity, <laughs> if anything. Shane Dawson. Do you know a lot about that? Well, one? I know that he has always been racist. I mean, he's all, he did a lot of videos in blackface. Shane Dawson was very popular when I was in middle school. But also, didn't he fuck his cat? Did he? I see, he I- made a lot of jokes about it to the point that people were like, you talk about this too much. Too specific. Yeah, it's like you're putting too many details in here that <laughs> it's too specific to be a joke. Yeah, it feels like you're just trying to tell us what's what's wrong with you. When I was in middle school, I was never a Shane Dawson fan. Okay, queen ally number one. But he was always like doing blackface and doing like the thing that was very in vogue when I was in middle school was making fun of names like Shanae. I think he did a character that was like that. So that was kind of his thing. And it's like, yeah, he's been that way. But he hasn't been. I mean, maybe he's been canceled. I think he was already not as famous. I don't know what the fan base is for him anymore. Yeah, I don't even know how he's making money. There's a number of more on this list, but the most interesting one is Leah Michelle, who was on Glee. And I remember when this happened, Leah Michelle tweeted about George Floyd and Samantha Marie Ware, who was on like one of the later seasons of Glee, tweeted, I believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity, you would shit in my wig amongst other traumatic microaggressions. But the funny thing about Leah Michelle is that she hasn't really been canceled, but she's just kind of understood to be a bitch but not even a racist bitch, just awful to everyone she works with. Awful to everyone. Well, she apparently when she was in Spring Awakening, that was her first Broadway role when she was like young. She threw a cast party in the Hamptons and invited everyone. And then if the understudies showed up, she would turn them away because they weren't real cast. Yeah, it's she doesn't have any gigs coming up. She hasn't been casted in anything. I mean, her last big thing was like an ABC family original like Christmas movie. But she did just have a baby. Oh, right. I forgot she had a baby. So I think she wasn't getting gigs anyways because she was a bitch. Now she has the baby. So she's going to be out of the limelight for a while and then she'll probably come back as like some sort of redeemed. Oh, she'll circle back and go on Broadway or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's she's fine. There's also a rumor going around that she can't read, which I know isn't true, but it would be funny. It's possible, though, because she was a child actress. That's right? true. I mean, the thing about Leah Michelle, too, is like canceling her now doesn't do anything. Glee is over. She has all her Glee money in the bank. Yeah, but she's friends with Ryan Murphy. Oh, that's true. She was on Scream Queens. He'll probably put her in something else someday. And like all the Glee cast is not friends with her. And they've you know, they don't say as much as years go on. They say more and more about how they didn't like it. But basically, no one was no one liked her except Cory Monteith. Corey Monteith played Finn. They dated on the show and they dated in real life. And he's the one who died. Yeah, he's part of the curse. Yeah. And now she wears I mean, she's always like for a long time. She was wearing like a Corey necklace. I mean, they were like in love. She was very heartbroken at his death. It's very sad. People say that her getting canceled is part of the The curse. curse. Yeah. I mean, there is a Glee curse. I hope not many more people fall victim to it. But I mean, 
Muck sailing, falling victim to it after being a pedophile. It's like, I, I don't know if that's just a curse or just like, yeah, that what? just sounds like, I mean, yeah, some of it is like a lot of young actors who have a lot of potential to fuck up like Naya Rivera. Yeah. That's a tragedy. Coy Monteith overdosing. Also a tragedy. Mark Salen killing himself because he was a pedophile. Mm, that just sounds like uh, you were a pedophile. Yeah, it sounds like you probably should have got help. Leah Michelle never learning how to read. Sorry, Queen. <laughs> that's a curse. <laughs> that's, a, that's a curse. You're doing HelloFresh spawn. You can't even read. Cancel culture basically isn't real. I mean, if you see that, as we've said, some of these people are still making money, maybe not as much money. Or if they step out of the spotlight, they just if they're not in the spotlight anymore, it's not because of cancel culture. It's just because of the waves of their fame, you know? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how and if any of these people bounce back and we'll definitely keep gossiping about Mm -hmm. it. You'll be hearing all about it here. Hell yeah. So, Bridget, where can all our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget underscore suck it. Grace, what about you? You can find me also on Twitter and Instagram at the Grace Piper. Plus, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at The Gossier. There you will also find a submission form if you have topics you want us to talk about. If you want us to talk about other celebrities who have been canceled, celebrities who you wish were canceled, just people you know who you wish were canceled. We'll talk about anything and everything here on The Gossier. Heck yeah. And review us on Apple. But that's all for the main episode this week. So we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.